Welcome to our Panini. This is Sarah Tovabes. We're going to try to do something short about Matan Taira. Um, and really, we're going to jump right to the point. The question is about Matan Taira. You know, it ha- it, it, we read about it twice, but how come everybody kind of, uh, you know, left the world when Hashem revealed the Taira? That's kind of, you know, intense. Didn't Hashem know that that was going to happen? And then the question is why? Why, why exactly did Hashem, did everybody leave the world? I guess there's a, a, you know, the question is, was it two times or ten times? There are opinions that say it was ten times. But certainly the first two times, when Hashem spoke openly to us, the revelation was so huge, so powerful, because in a second we're going to say, think who exactly was revealing himself without covering himself. Right? Think of who, who was, you know, I'm sorry to say, but you have a parallel in the world today, Lahavdil, from the other side of um, children who um, maybe go with their mothers to 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 different kinds of shows that really aren't for children, and the mothers aren't sort of thinking too well these days and realizing this is not for children. So what do the children do? It's too much for them, so they hide their 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 head in their mother's lap. I don't want to look at that weird person up on stage. The child has the sensitivity, but the mother does. So I'm sorry to introduce that dark kind of thing, but, but before we, we concentrate on, oh, no, what's the world coming to, the question is really, um, what is it showing us? That when there's something that's way too much for you, you kind of shut down. You're hearing something, you're seeing something, you're having to deal with something that's just too much for you, you kind of shut down. Now, there are the things that are too dark for us, so we shut down. There's the things that are too difficult for us, that we shut down. And then there are the people that are told, you just won the lottery. And I guarantee you that not every single person who just won the lottery just jumps for joy. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. How do I know? I mean, I never won the lottery. Actually, not, not true. <laughs> Somebody that I know, I'm not going to say Somebody that I know, their mother is in her 80s, in her 80s, and um, this person called her up and said, Ma, guess what? I won the lottery. And she started to cry. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. I'm so happy for you. You really needed. You deserve it. You worked so hard. You don't make the Parnassus that you need. I'm so happy for you. How much did you win? And he said, I won $10. She hung up on him. <laughs> she hung up on him. So, so that means... But that's the joke. She hung up on him. She was so angry, you know, because she was so, it just shattered, you know. But the fact is, uh, how do I know that it's true that when people get good news, it sometimes shatters them too? Because there's a video of Kantanissan, boys, that Rahman Uslan, in the time of the Semachtetic, you know, 200 years ago, they were ripped away from their families and they were put into, they were put into the Russian army for years and years. But these two boys were kidnapped. And really only two years later, they somehow escaped. And somebody in the village says, I see the boys coming. So one of the fathers, who was a medium kind of an actor, was crying, I can't believe it, it's so amazing. And the other one is actually a much better actor. I can't, you can't hear it in the audio. But what he was doing is kind of looking like a deer in the headlights. 
like shocked and he was kind of looking around and trying to compute. He didn't start crying and saying, oh, I'm so happy. And he didn't start dancing. He just was kind of frozen. And he couldn't quite compute what he heard. And it took him a long time to be happy because his system simply went into shock and he sort of shut down. Now, he was told the most amazing news in the world. His son came home after being kidnapped for two years by the Russian army. You would think he would dance. But when something is so intense, and it can be intensely good, we tend to just shut down. So that's what he did. Okay. So now we can understand Matzah Tyra is about the best, the best thing that ever happened. Next best thing will be a Mice Mashiach. You can see that when there's a revelation that's really intense, we tend to shut down right away, and then we open up. Now, I'll give you an example of proof. When the Lubavitcher Rebbe told us in 1991, um, the Nevoah, guess what? This is it. is a Mashiach is coming and he has already come. This is it. The world is about to change forever. Then what? What do, what do we, did everybody, you know, is everybody still dancing for joy? Mm, they're still sort of shut down. They're still sort of, sort of shut down, partly because they say, well, I don't see it. But also, what do you do with such a piece of information that's so massive? It's, it's massively powerful light that doesn't have a really big enough vessel. By the way, two, two or three days ago on the 15th of Shabbat, it seemed to have been one of those days. Because, you know, you know that I do my interviews when I'm having a hard day. I do my interviews and I ask other people. And they tend to all say, when I'm having a hard day, seems that everybody's having a hard day. Not because I made them have a hard day, but because um seem to be tuning into something that everybody's experiencing. So... So, therefore, you know, why was it a hard day? Such a, a, a joyous day. Fruit, sweetness, delicious, kind of pleasure. But the light was clearly so intense that no one, not too many people had the vessels for such an intense light. So the vessels were being shattered. Okay, so here's the question. Sounds familiar. Masan Tyra, Parshas Yisra. Oh, so if you're going to shatter some, somebody's vessels, Maybe just don't talk to them. Well, that's a good question. For this, I'm going to open the line and ask people's opinions. So I'm thinking one of the one of the ideas about Hashem shattering our vessels with goodness is that um, he had to. There is some reason why Hashem decided it has to be all in one shot. I mean, all in one shot at that moment. He brought his very essence down into this physical world, all in one moment. I mean, all of all of history since Matantara has been about all the steps since then. So, right. so let's say this. All of history has been, it's not that Hashem revealed himself. Remember, we're going to talk in a minute about which part of himself did he reveal. Obviously, a very powerful part of himself. And it shattered all our vessels or some of our vessels, and everybody passed away. We're going to see a, a kind of more out-of-the-box answer to this question in a second that the Rebbe brings. But all of history since then has been integrating it all. You know, one big boom, 
and then integrating it all. So now we kind of know that, and again, I don't know that this is a real answer, but if God forbid a person has to have open heart surgery, it's not a good idea to do it in five one-week sessions. Just do it, open, fix, close, done, and then there's the whole recovery recovery period. But to do open heart surgery, leave it open, say come back in a week, leave it open again, come back in a week, leave it open again, come back in a week. What's the medical problem not, with that? What's the medical reason not to do it if the heart is left open? The person could die, got rid of infection. Nobody does it that way because there's too much risk of foreign foreign entities entering the heart, God forbid, because it's not supposed to be open. It's supposed to be closed. It's open very carefully, very surgically for a very short time, fixed and closed. So it's basically insane. Anybody who would leave it open for a week or two because the person said too much is too much, that person would be sued. <laughs> they would, you know, no more a doctor. So it's, so there are certain things that have to be done in one shot. Now, I don't know if this is the reason that Hashem decided to do Matantara all in one shot, however long it took, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, I don't know. But it's possible that it's a little bit connected to that idea. And then ever since Matantara, we're in the recovery phase. You know, now you have to go for therapy, and they have to teach you whatever. I don't know, how to walk, how to breathe, how to this, how to sit, how to stand, how to, you know, stand up from, from lying down a whole bunch of things, how to integrate the new thing until we get the Yemites and Mashiach. So all of Jewish history is that. So um, so what we were talking about is why um, why did Hashem, oh, why did everybody pass away? So we just said all those vessels were shattered. Now I'm going to give you a better explanation, which the Rebbe says in the Sikha. Everybody's brought into this world to do a mission, a shlichus. When they finish, they leave the world, which is a good reason not to finish too fast. <laughs> so we think. What happened in that moment when Hashem said, Anach Yashem the revelation was so powerful, it took everybody through their entire shlichus, and they accomplished in those, that minute, or those couple of minutes, when Hashem said it, everything they were sent, it all somehow just happened. They went through their whole shlichus, in that minute, however you understand that. Everything was accomplished. But they left the world. So then Hashem brought them back, brought us back for a new shlichus. And he said the second of the Aserah And when he said them, when he said it, it carried us through our second shlichus. We got somehow the whole thing done was mostly from him. We were just receiving his energy. And somehow in partnership with him, it was, you know, what is it, speed dating, you know, <laughs> right? So speed, you know, it was speed shlichus. Why hang around for 90 years doing your shlichus? You can do it in two minutes, the fast track. And some, for some reason, the fast track was there. And and says in the sicha, the Rebbe says that 10 times, we were given 10 different shlichus, 10 different missions, and zip, it got done. Each time, leave the world, come back for a new one. Leave the world, come back for a new one. So that explanation is also true. It's 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 just a different spin on it. Now, were our vessels also shattered? I guess so. The old vessels, because when it's time for the new mission, the old vessels are basically useless. You know that happened in in in, in World War Two. You know that 
the the Polish people were a little bit afraid, and their government told them. They, they realized that next door, the army was planning to invade. Nobody ever could, you know, could have anticipated the Holocaust other than, you know, the Tzadikim. But the Polish people were afraid. They, their next door evil, evil neighbors are going to invade. The Polish government said, don't worry. Look at, we have weapons, we have airplanes, we are fully armed, we have everything we need, we will fight them off immediately, nothing to worry about. Polish people went back to life. Guess what happened? The first day of the war, first hour, they found out that all of their equipment was antiquated equipment, which was totally useless. They threw away their guns, I think, within the first hour and, and, and got out of their airplanes. Because they realized they had been given old equipment that really was useless. So by the end of day one, they realized they were sitting ducks. And then, Rahman al-Islam, they made the Yidin into sitting ducks. Yamashallah. Right? Sorry. So, so that, that's what they did. So we understand that idea of, of, um, of, of, you know, not, not having the vessels for what you need to do. When you are given a new shlichus, a new mission in life, a new marching order, the old tools are useless. So yesterday I had this much light and this kind of mission and the vessels for the light so that the light will go into the vessel and I can do the mission. Today I got a higher level mission. I tried to use my old vessels. They're like, what? Are you joking? You're using an electric, you're using a manual typewriter? You have an entire book to get typed. You have, I gave you this book. It's 400 pages. And, and I want you to type it by midnight tonight. Why are you using... And I want you to type out letters to people all over the world. Uh, what's wrong with, you know, the way we do it now? Cut, paste, this, that. You're seriously going to use an electric typewriter? Not electric, a manual one. So that's the concept. So, okay, so here's the question. We get it, that Hashem's revelation was very strong. So Maish Rabbeinu said, no, 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 please. And therefore Hashem said, okay, Maish Rabbeinu, you continue, continue to speak. It's a little bit toned down revelation. Because which part of Hashem was revealing himself? His very essence. That's about as intense as you get. Hashem's essence. Not as he appears in the world and all that, his essence. That's about the top of the top of intense revelation. It's not even revelation. It's beyond revelation. Intense. Strong. Into this tiny little world? You know, (laughs) I once read a story about, a funny story about um, these fellows in Eretisral, the police, and they, they came to something and, and, it was kind of a comical story, you know, making fun of the police there. And they had this tiny little car, which was two little seats in the front and, you know, kind of one tiny little seat in the back. And these policemen were all of them big, heavy, bulky guys. And there were about four of them. And they all tried to fit into this little one car, and they couldn't even get in the door. You know, maybe it was a Volkswagen or something like that. They couldn't even get into the door. So here we're talking about, with us, Hashem, in his most intense way, his most intense self, coming to these tiny little vessels of 
you know, my mind, my understanding, my heart, you know, my ability to grasp light. It's a joke. How are you going to fit four such big, fat, heavy, bulky guys into a teeny little car? Or into, or into, you ever try to sit in, you know, you go to the, here's the first one. You go to the park and there are no swings available. So you try to sit in the baby swing. Oh, that, and then you get stuck. You can't get out. Right? So go figure, go put that in. By the way, we'll see in the next few days, that's called 11 into 10. Obviously, the revelation of Hashem is the number 11, which is so intense. And the world is called the number 10, and it's awfully limited. So, So Hashem, so, so we sort of said, Hashem, see, too much. So my Shurbanu spoke That's it? Just because we couldn't take it? Come on, be a man. Take the revelation. Stop being such a sissy. Hashem will speak to you. You'll get the real thing fast and furious. It'll all get done, you know. Why do you need to have your, your, your tooth filled with, you know, would you ever have a filling in the tooth, right? What? They, I said, don't give me the Novocaine. Nuts. And I, asked, I remember asking the dentist, how long is it going to take? He said, he said don't drill with no, I don't want Novocaine. He said, it's going to take about five minutes. I said, I'll oh, forget it, five minutes of that. But then I realized the drilling was 24 seconds. The rest was blah, 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 blah. For 24 seconds. Are you going to soak me up just for 24 seconds? Come on, be a man. Take Hashem's revelation. You know, take the light. We have a small vessel. Open up your vessel. You know, become buckle, and that's it, right? But, so it's not only that, because of that, that we couldn't man up the thing that my being right to speak. Because if we had two different ways of Matan Torah, and we see that Matan Torah, the Sarasa Gibbeth is going to be this week in Parshish Yisrael, and it's going to be again in the summertime in Parshish the Eskanon, the first Gibbeth, the second Gibbeth. So why? Because what do you think? There are two aspects of Tyra. When we learn Tyra, there are two things that happen. One is, we find out how we're supposed to act in the world. Here's the halacha. Do this, don't do that. Be good, don't be bad. Do it this way, don't do it that way. That's one of the things we find out. It fits itself into the vessels of the world. This is how you're supposed to live your life. That's it. How do we get that one? Oh, that's from the second verse from Meishadim. You know, he's more relating to the world. They're all, some people have ingrown toenails. What's the halacha? Can you have an ingrown toenail operation a Friday, an hour before Shabbos? I don't know what the halacha is. You have to ask a rub. That's the only thing that happens when you learn Tyra? Nope. Something else. What's the other thing? The big R. Relationship. Relationship. The big R means relationship. When we learn Tyra, we step into a very, very powerful, close relationship with Hashem. That's the other reason we learn Tyra. So now, great. Okay. Imagine this. So, yeah, I'm not really focused on the what to do. I'm not really focused on the what to do. I'm really focused on the relationship with Hashem. You know, I'm more a relationship person than a doing person, than an action person. So the action people want to learn a lot of halacha. They learn Tyra because I want to know what to do. You know, they're into getting stuff done. Just tell me the bottom line. What do I have to do? Can I get the young ingrown toenail? 
taken care of an hour before Shabbos or not. Right? But that's, that's one thing. The other, now, for that, you go to Maishar Benu. Maishar Benu, you also live in this world. Tell me yes or no. Can I have my ingrown toenail taken care of an hour before Shabbos? And so they ask, ask the Rabbani, right? I don't know if, you know, he passed in China. But then the person comes along and says, yeah, I'm a relationship person. I'm not really into so much what to do. I just, like, I'm really into relationships. So then for that, whom do you want to, to, Tyra to come from? Hashem? Or Meishavim? I'll go straight for the one with whom I want to have the relationship. Well, but no. Meishavim is more for down here in the world. As yeah, a, that's why the relationship is something that you can see. That's what I meant. Right. So you're right. You're right. So no, that's a good point. Right. You're right. No, that's a really good point. But, but on the external level, Hashem speaks to the Tyra because there's a relationship. You need to know. One of the things is, when you learn Tyra, what do you need to know? If somebody says, wow, what, you know what? Here's a good example. You go to uh, an amazing party. I, I think I've said this before. You go to an amazing party. Say, wow, incredible. Look at the house. It's gorgeous. And the food and the people and the this and the that. This is unbelievable. And, and, like, how much can I eat? Wow, are you allowed to take home doggy bags? Yeah, great. Finally, somebody comes along and he says, um, can I ask a little question? And they're like, sure. Whose house is this? <laughs> so, I don't know. I never thought about it, but they sure have good food. He said, well, I'd kind of like to know whose house I'm crashing. <laughs> plus, plus, or whose food I'm eating. Or, I know who's in charge. And I want to know who's in charge. He said, well, I never thought about that. I got so involved in the food, and it was so good, and. You know, I never, I, I like black rice, and they have black rice sushi, not just brown rice sushi, and all that other stuff. What? That's it, right? Right. You know, black rice sushi. It's amazing. And it has a hexer on it, so I know it's good. But whose house is this? So, one, who's cooking? And one of the things is, I got it, what all the, the details of Tyra are all about. And for that, you need what's called the Dibra Sachrinus. The, the, Tyra repeated to us in the summertime, Farshan, the Eskhanan. But for the relationship, more, you need the first Dibrit, the Dibrit of Rishinus, said by Hashem. He's the one, I understand how Meish we're not going to go into that aspect now, how Meish Rabbeinu figures into the whole equation. That's a whole more complex issue. But here in the Sikha, the Rebbe is saying there are two parts of Tyra. There's, who's the one who gave us the Tyra and gives us the Tyra? And that's the whole point of the giving of Chassidus. The Baal came along and said, you guys are a little bit um, hyper-focused on what all the halachas are. Um, who's the giver of the Torah? And they, oh, oh, well, well you know, someone. We'll, right, someone. someone. <laughs> and he's saying, someone somehow. And he, and, and Val Shemso said, when you answer, you know, someone somehow, whatever, let's move on. I stop there, and I want to know, who is this someone, and what is this somehow? That's my fascination. Explain to me, open up for me to someone somehow, you can, for the other people, you can open up, but what does he tell me to do? Right? Does that make sense? So now we can understand. So those are the two aspects of Torah. So now we can understand that we read about the Torah. There's the deeper Torah shyness and deeper suffering. And the other issue is that now we understand maybe why Hashem would have to overwhelm us so totally in the first, uh, when he's giving the Torah. With the 11-ish energy. It's completely out of the box. It breaks all the vessels of the world. It wasn't only the Yidden that broke. Everything broke. No bird chirps, no, you know, everything broke. So, Hashem, slow down, calm down, chill. 
Why do you have to break all the vessels of the world? So let's hear what everybody thinks. One second. So just a very simple, a very simple question and a very simple idea. That that why why would Hashem why would Hashem come to us directly and speak Tyrus? He wants whatever he has to do that it should become our Tyrus. It's it's no longer good enough. And now, especially in this generation, it is no longer good enough to walk around with a whole bunch of shiurim in your notebook for sure in your notebook. Remember when the Rebbe said when the Rebbe said. Um, you know, I'm giving it over to you. And afterwards, somebody passed by the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, didn't affect anybody. And the Rebbe, it seems that the Rebbe said, they're going to review it, and they're going to write it down in their notebooks. And they're going to put the notebook on the shelf. And the Rebbe said, that's the way it's going to stay. I said, I don't, the, Rebbe, well, the point was, the Rebbe said, at this moment, I experienced that I spoke to them, and I shattered everything. I shattered all the vessels of everything they're used to, they're going to write down what I said in their notebook, put it on the shelf, and it'll stay on the shelf. And so we see today, that's why we see today, you have people that um, somebody once said, they went to a family in, in, in Eretz Yisrael, completely not from, and they said, oh, we want to speak to you about something. They said, Chabad. You know why? We once went to Harabi Milabavich, and he gave us a dollar. Yeah. Right, they didn't feel like, oh, but we're not from, this is not for us. You know, in their mind, you know, we do more, we do less, we're on the way. We're connected. We're connected. So today we have a reality in which, in which, you know, we literally can no longer be disconnected from what we're learning. People feel it and they're like, eh, I don't believe anything you say. It has to go into our blood, as you're saying. And once the Torah goes into our blood, it's no longer that rabbi's amazing lecture. You definitely never want to walk out of a shear. I have a friend who used to say, how do you know you gave a bad shear? <laughs> how do you know you gave a good shear? People, walk, people, whatever, but how do you know you gave a bad shear? No, no. When people walk out of the shear and say, she or he is amazing. Oh, okay. That was a bad shear. Oh, that was a bad shear? That was a bad shear. Why? No, she's brilliant. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. Not she's amazing. She's oh, she, that's right. They're so they're so like I don't know I don't know what she said, but they know she seems brilliant because she said many things I didn't understand. They said, "Wow, she's brilliant," or "He's brilliant." It's the worst thing you can say to a teacher. Wow, you're so brilliant. Thank you very much. It means you have no idea what I said. You were just like, "Wow," it was like I. Well, that's a different thing. When they go home, they will start going. Right. So oh. I'm just saying it's a funny thing. You don't want it to be the teacher's shear. You know, while he's so brilliant, he knows the sicha. Let's see, what did he say? You don't want it to be his. You want to have one line of, of his lecture that becomes yours. Throw the rest away. I'm just saying one line, one point that you say, oh, my goodness, this is me. That's it. This, that's it. And throw, in a way, the rest, you know, you don't want to have too much in your head and be top-heavy because then you'll walk you know, sideways. You don't want to have too much info in your head. You want to have it, as you're saying, go down into your blood. And then what we're saying is that then if you do that, in theory, when you walk down the street, people will experience, oh, my goodness. They won't know it consciously, but they'll feel this energy of, whoa, you know, that's, you know, there's a living Safer Torah. They're not going to say that consciously. I know because our friend two weeks ago on Shabbos told us that she was walking down the street 
And her friend was very afraid. She said, the people, the, the, the people in the hood, the thugs, the, the, you know, those scary guys. I'm afraid. She said, what are you afraid of? We have malachim. We have a, a malach, an angel on this side, on this side, in the front and the back. That's what it says in the sikhah. What are you afraid of? But her friend was very afraid. So guess what happened? Her friend was so afraid. Two big thugs came right up to them. <laughs> right. So what it, so what my friend said, said out loud, what do you mean? There are, there are angels on every side of us. And she said, I'm telling you, you can believe me. These thug guys said to each other, whoa, let's stay away from them. There are angels there. Yes. She said, I'm telling you, I'm not making up the story. And, and she said, she said to the thugs, oh, you see the angels? They said, we can't talk to you. And they walked away. You know, that's something to yes. have a child who has so, so, so just to finish off with this, and we'll continue it tomorrow, that when it becomes Torah Secha, my Torah, I become a living Torah. Therefore, everybody who sees me walk around somehow, I, I mean, I'm supposed to talk, but I don't even have to talk because they will somehow feel like, whoa, that's intense energy. They will somehow feel, you know, there we don't start up, or they'll somehow, they'll say, Rabbi, Rabbi, bless my child. You know, they always do that. They always do that. They always run up to somebody, what, why should I? They will sense the more we become a living Torah, meaning we take the Torah that we learn, we put it into our blood, the rest we store away, you know, store it in the cloud for another time. But we make it be ours, even if it's three lines entire, but it's mine, then I become a living, safer Torah. And then when I'm walking around, everybody's like, whoa, what's out there at the end of the block? You know, and they will feel it. And in that way, in very, very quickly, without even... Not that we shouldn't be speaking, we should be teaching everybody Shev and Mitzvah. And you have a bunch of Shev and Mitzvah cards with you, and you hand them out. They're already ready because they saw you and they feel like, well, what is that? And you give them the card, and very quickly we can get the whole world on board for, you know, this is it, going to Moshe Mashiach, so we should find ourselves in that, with all the, all the world in the base of Mitzvah Shlishi immediately now.